Welcome to Book Talk for Book Talk, a podcast where we deep dive into the writing of your favorite novels. This is Jack. And I'm Amy. In season one, we explored Sarah J. Mass's A Court of Thorns and Roses. In our postseason content, we look forward to sharing listener feedback and thoughts we received over the last eight weeks, as well as listener content from some special guests. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are entirely their own and in no way represent the thoughts or intentions of the original author. This podcast is a discussion shared to spark thought and conversation on the characters and themes of this novel. Though the hosts speak mostly within the constraints of this book, series spoilers may be discussed with or without warning. Explicit language, as well as themes of sex, violence, abuse, and depression will reoccur throughout this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everyone. We asked you to email us your thoughts, and we are thrilled to have received so many emails. This episode, Amy has gone through and selected emails that I have not read. She will read them to me, and wherever the conversation goes will be a surprise to everybody, but mostly me. I will be shocked. This first email comes from Emily, who we've heard from before. We read one of her emails in our last episode with listener feedback. And quite frankly, she just has some really amazing thoughts. So I really wanted to start off with this one. Emily says, hello, Jack and Amy. I just finished this week's podcast. And as ever, I had such a great time going over this portion with you both. Thank you for all the time, effort, passion, and Tamlin bashing you put into it. You are welcome, Emily. (laughs) Thank you for listening. (laughs) I wanted to point out a mirror I've noticed between Isaac Hale and Tamlin. As you've pointed out before, Isaac is Feyre's sexual release. She sleeps with him not out of love, but out of hunger and release. And her sex life with Tamlin is very much the same. You pointed out the quote on page 262 for its awkwardness, but I think it's there as a flag for Feyre or a breadcrumb for us. Mm. Isaac Hale and a pretty plump young woman who could only be his new wife. They were arm in arm, both smiling, both lit up from within. Tamlin, too, lights up from within when he is showing off or is his true self. He, too, needs a wife that is his equal. Tamlin needs a high fey lady. Think not for a moment that Tamlin would have married Feyre if she were still human. Isaac needs a farmer's wife. Oh, my God. Not done yet. It reminded me of when Feyre is hunting with Lucian and spies the red doe on page 100, fat and healthy and content. The sad part is that when Tamlin and Feyre do get married, while he is shimmering on his wedding day, she is not fat and happy. (gasps) Oh, sorry, keep going. She's vomiting her guts up, dressed as a cream puff, screaming for anyone to help her. And Tamlin doesn't see it. Reese sees it, and on page 47 of A Court of Mist and Fury, he says... You look exactly like the doe-eyed damsel he and that simpering priestess want you to be. The question Feyre needs to answer at this point is, will she be the fat and content doe-eyed bride or something else entirely? The second thread I wanted to pull was Alice in the kitchen with the butter knife. I love that you point out that the truth has been twisted and Alice straightens it out, but I think it goes deeper. I think this scene is a mirror of when Tamlin breaks into Feyre's kitchen and takes her away. But now Feyre is breaking into Tamlin's house to rescue him. The repetition of the kitchen table and the detail that Alice and Feyre write the table, where Tamlin claws and knocks over the table in the cottage. Tamlin destroys her table and knocks away her butter knife, tells her lies, and takes her to Prithian to not break the curse. 
On the other hand, Alice straightens the butter knife, resets the table with Feyre, and tells Feyre the truth so she can break the curse. Mass also takes the time to point out that Alice pockets the knife just as Feyre pockets table knives throughout Akatar. There are so many references to Feyre clutching table knives, but the first one is in defense against Tamlin on page 34. Tamlin is always armed, but never actually does anything useful. Feyre can take a butter knife and save the world. Alice not only straightens out the truth, she straightens out Feyre so she can be armed again. Thank you again. I look forward to your podcast coming out each week. Emily serves every single time with her emails. Every time. I remember when I read this, I got such goosebumps and I was like, I can't, I can't let Jack read this. Oh my God. Like everything. I'm like processing all of it. Can we go through it one by one? Like the top part. So the first one was. So Isaac Hale and Tamlin. Yes. He does need someone equal. And I love that she calls out like no chance would Tamlin have married her had she still been human. He does need someone who is his equal. And I don't mean that by Farah being less than him, just that like Farah is not equal to him because I think she's better, but she doesn't match him. Like he needs someone to match her, to match him. He needs someone he views as his equal. He doesn't, he has never viewed Farah as his equal. Yes. It doesn't matter what her status is. She's not his equal. Yeah. I mean, he makes it really clear. Like there's no, there are no high, high ladies, he says in Akamoff, but oh, that's such a good point. And then what was it? The second one was the dough. I wanted to add to that. Oh, yeah. Sorry. For No, it's okay. For A Court of Mist and Fury, Tamlin views Feyre as a possession. So never will she be an equal because she is a possession. I think Tamlin is capable of being someone who's not a possession. I just think he doesn't know how to be with someone who doesn't follow stereotypical gender norms. I totally think that's right. I think eventually, and I would hope Tamlin grows out of it, it's just that he needs someone who he feels like he can save and protect. Because that was the whole thing with Tamlin and Farrah, is that he felt like he was her protector in the first book, which he sort of was until she saved him. I think also he needs someone who wants to be saved, and Farrah, when she was human, wanted to be saved. Mm -hmm. But as a high fae, his version of saving her and her need to be saved look different. They no longer align. And he needs someone whose desires align with his desires. Even hypothetically, let's say Farah somehow managed to survive the whole trials, right? And still saves everyone, but doesn't become a fae. I think she still wouldn't want to be protected by him because he never protected her there. Her innateness of like, you've lost your right to be my protector has taken her to her bones. I think what you're saying there, what I'm feeling is that there's just this loss of trust. I mean, yeah, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. And we're going to see that a lot in A Court of Mist and Fury. Okay, so then we have the dough. The dough. So we know from A Court of Thorns and Roses that the dough is Feyre. Any image of a dough is a simile or a metaphor for Feyre. It's definitely intentional that it's used at the start of A Court of Mist and Fury and that Reese calls her a doe-eyed damsel. The irony, as Emily points out, is that the last physical dough Feyre sees is fat and happy, and she is not that. Yeah, that's the last physical doe she sees. The last time Farrah compares herself to a doe is right before she goes under the mountain as a doe ready to slaughter, right? Right. And she's been slaughtered. And she's been slaughtered. So, I mean, it really is like back to full circle where now she's just a carcass of that doe and starved. No matter how much she wants to be happy with Tamlin, it's not in the cards. It's not. It never was. It couldn't have happened. Nope. Not with that power dynamic going into it. Yeah. And the way Under the Mountain played out, 
it was never going to be a happy ending for them. It's so hard to go from like savior to equal, right? Like mm. just on both sides. Because early on in Akatar, she calls Tamlin my captor slash my savior, all within the same sentence. And that was really early on. He was always her savior. He always took her out of hunger, out of poverty. He saved her family. And with that, It's like the relationship was doomed in some ways. They're just, they were never going to be able to be on even footing. So Alice and the kitchen table. Oh my God. You were the one who really called out the kitchen table. So what was your initial reaction when you read that? I got goosebumps. And even rereading this email, I got goosebumps again, that there's this mirror and they're opposites. It's not a a true reflection. Mm -hmm. At the start of the novel, Tamlin tips over the kitchen table or destroys the kitchen table in the cottage. Feyre takes a knife to try to defend her family and he knocks it away. And on the flip side, before she goes under the mountain, Feyre is helping Alice lift up the table in Tamlin's manner. Alice is straightening the butter knife. She's giving the truth. Mm -hmm. And I just love this parallel because... It just reminds us that from the beginning, Tamlin was not honest, and he chooses to be dishonest over and over and over again. And it always takes someone else to bring light to the truth. This extends into A Court of Mist and Fury as well. It's also, I mean, like during this part of the book, like I really love hating on Alice just because like Alice is such a bitch to Farah, keeps calling her a stupid girl, but she does arm Farah with knowledge and you know, like when Farah first arrived in Prithian, the fact that she only had a butter knife to arm herself. And now here's one of, granted Alice is not high Fae, but one of the Fae who's arming her in other ways. I guess Alice doesn't completely suck. She... No, she still sucks. She sucks most of the time. Like 90% sucking. Maybe 92% sucking. You're right. She does give Farah some hot chocolate, so that must be forgiven. (laughs) Exactly. Molten chocolate. That's what they call it. Molten chocolate. Which just sounds good. Yeah. It sounds French. Like, it sounds like it came, It was imported <laughs> from the continent. <laughs> it's exactly where it came from. So our second email is also from Emily, but it's a different Emily. It's an Emily we met on our TikTok Live recently. I'm convinced that, like, at least 40% of our listeners are named Emily, and I love them all. We love them all equally for different reasons. Yes. We don't play favorites here. So Emily says... Hey, y'all. My name is Emily, and I joined your live on TikTok. It was so fun getting to chat with you guys and just laugh along with you. You mentioned that you wanted me to email you one of my comments, and I'm a woman of her word. The direct yet limited quote was about the difference in writing styles between book one and book two. The quote says, Akatar is the gritty human stance on it all, and Akamath is the highly nuanced fae interpretation. People have a hard time with the first book upon first glance, and I think that is because it is a high fantasy novel written in glaringly human detail and pace. Feyre is thrust into a new, strange world where nothing and no one makes sense to her human sensibilities, augmented by the fact that she is still in her hunter phase. She focused on her five senses, speaking and thinking only in sensory and tactile terms, allowing for more overarching, broader themes to slip through the cracks. And the reason in which I think this makes people uncomfortable, essentially, is that it's calling us out. We are as imperfect as Feyre is, compared to the perfection of the Fae. Usually in fantasies, it's about the human character realizing they have some special gift or hidden lineage that 
enables them to overcome this mythical and downright impossible task. But Feyre is human through and through, and we don't like our weaknesses and our faults to be amplified. The great thing about this book, though, is that she achieves the impossible, flaws and all. She's a true hero because she gave her all, knowing she most certainly would fall short. So when she transforms and enters A Court of Mist and Fury, we're now seeing everything from the highly attentive, perceptive, and awakened Feyre. She has transcended as a person and as our narrator. We have leveled up with her, so to speak. And everything that seemed so outside the realm of possibility for her and us as readers all of a sudden becomes gloriously possible. The shade of humanity has been lifted from her eyes, so her perception of the world evolved, just like her inner dialogue and narration. That was the long, very detailed form of my quote and thinking behind it. This has literally been so much fun talking and listening about books. It's like being in a book club. Thanks for your hard work. I love the podcast and y'all are doing awesome. Love and breadcrumbs, Emily. <laughs> love and breadcrumbs. That's really funny. I might steal that, Emily. <laughs> love and breadcrumbs. I, I freaking love that. I really love that. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for writing, Emily. I remember, yes, like she was, uh, we were doing the live and it was one of her comments. And it was definitely like, oh, wait, 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 scroll back. What is it? What did that comment say? And just such a great, refreshing, eye-opening take on the way that these two were written because in the live we were talking about like just how different these two books are right and we were being kind of critical about it because we're like man do we even have anything to say in season two when it comes to a court of mist and fury spoiler we do like come back come back guys (laughs) we have plenty to say but what i love is that this kind of explains to me why so many people prefer A Court of Mist and Fury over A Court of Thorns and Roses. Yes. Because we are uncomfortable with the first book. Mm-hmm. Even though it has so many tropes that it's playing off of, it doesn't fit our understanding of a fantasy novel. It's true. Like, I mean, we're uncomfortable because Sarah J. Mass made us as uncomfortable as Farah is in this new world. Which is brilliant. Yeah, she she did it. It was good writing. Like, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, she did exactly that versus book two that that level of uncomfort is gone like yes farah struggles a little bit with like you we us when it comes to like high fae and what she is but for the most part farah is kind of like accepted being high fae there's only a few times that she really is like are we high fae us like oh i'm i'm not used to it farah's more in her skin in some ways as a high fae than she was as a human I totally agree. I think this really drives home a theme that I noticed while reading A Court of Mist and Fury for season two, and that is this idea of home and what is home. And it's only natural that because Feyre finds her home throughout the duration of book two, that we also begin to feel more comfortable. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Plus, everyone loves it because Feyre really enters her reputation era here. (laughs) <laughs> uh taylor swift's reputation era like she comes in are you ready for it farah look what you made me do oh my god like literally come on like this book one was what do we say it was like folk folklore like all farah wanted to do was like hide in a in a cabin in the woods and listen to folklore yeah book two is reputation where she just comes in going through her like goth rock phase i i think that's accurate given how much black she wears are you ready for it done Done. Done. Emily, you are fantastic. Uh, Love your point of view. And 
don't mind if I do, use it as we go forward. Shout out to you. All right, for our final email, this email comes from Sarah. Hi, guys. I just found your podcast and binged all the episodes. Oh, no. Why? Thank you. Why would you do that? So much of us. That is a lot. And it was dated right after episode 10 was released. So that is a lot. Literally, even my mother said she would never. (laughs) It was too much. She was like, it's too much. It's a lot of you. It brought me back to the joy of reading Akatar for the first time a year ago, and this pod felt like sitting and talking with my English major best friend who made me read the series in the first place. Aww. I really love the energy and the opinions you have on the series. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. I'm not a deep thinker when it comes to books I read, and I want to be more critical, and this podcast is helping me out. That being said, there is something about the Akatar series that I don't see many people talking about that I would love you guys to address. Reese lies to Feyre and manipulates her in much the same way Tamlin does, always acting in what he thinks is her best interest instead of giving her any agency. She always has the illusion of choice, much like she does when she first arrives in the spring court. The scene with Feyre and the Weaver comes to mind, although I have only read the series once and can't cite my sources. Sorry. The only difference between Tamlin and Reese is that Reese happens to be right about what Feyre needs. Tamlin was always doing what he thought was best for her, just like Reese. Also, Feyre lets Reese off the hook way too easily when she finds out about all the lies. Reese's controlling nature really comes out in A Court of Silver Flames, but the seeds are planted much earlier. Once again, it's painted as okay because Feyre happens to like what Reese chooses for her, but in my mind, he's really no better than Tamlin. I know this is a Team Reese podcast, and as long as Feyre's happy, then it's probably fine, but she thought she was happy with Tamlin too. Does that actually make what Reese does to her okay? I would love to hear your thoughts on this. You can prove me wrong. You're much smarter than me. No. That is not true. Not true at all. I'm absolutely not a hater of the books. I think SJM is so creative and has a gift for storytelling. I just want Reese to be held accountable in ways that the fandom often lets slide. As a critical reader, I want Reese to be held to the same standard as Tamlin. I hope this doesn't come off as aggressive. I'm just very passionate about this series as a whole and really want to make sure to emphasize that I love the podcast. I'm really looking forward to the next season. Well, thank you. That was a very sweet and amazing email. Please don't think that we are any kind of smart in the slightest. I'm a smart ass, but don't think of anything else. Uh, <laughs> we've had some like similar comments before when it comes to like being a Team Reese podcast. I think the reason why it comes off that way, other than the fact that I do say that <laughs> in one of the episodes, I think, but like we don't really have a lot of Reese and to analyze in Akatar. There's yes, we get him underneath the mountain and stuff, but it's a huge filter, right? Like he's also a prisoner. They're going through some things. We're really honing in on Farah still. And when we go into season two, guys, like teaser for what's coming out, but we are going in on Reese. Yeah, there's just so much more content, right? We had a lot of content in A Court of Thorns and Roses on Tamlin and Feyre and their dynamic. And while there is some of that there for Reese and Feyre, and there are questions of consent, which we did discuss, there's going to be a lot more to see and dissect in A Court of Mist and Fury. And I don't think you're wrong, Sarah. I do think that Reese and Tamlin do have a lot of similarities. And it's really about what is Feyre capable of digesting. Again, we're going to go, you're not, we're we're spoiling some, but we're really going to go into it a lot more in season two. But, you know, Reese is capable of emotional intimacy 
not something that Tamlin can. And there's like, a, you know, there's a part where they split and their differences. But again, like, we'll, we'll, I don't want to spoil too much because I don't want people to not come back for season two. But there's a lot to say there about their similarities and their differences. I will leave it at that. And I hope that was enough of a teaser that you want to return because... Oh, it's season two's coming, guys. It's coming soon. And you're going to enjoy it. I'm just going to say it. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to you're going to need to trust us first. <laughs> you're going to have to like just put your hand in our hand, right? Right now, guys, all together, and then take the step with us and just trust the process. Now I'm free. What song was that one? Free Fallen. <laughs> Sorry, that's a teaser for a theme I want to discuss in A Court of Mist and Fury. We're going to cut that out. <laughs> These emails were amazing. I know we had a couple of other really great emails to go through. Just know that we do read all of them and we do try to write back to, I think we've managed to write back to all of them. If we're a little late, I'm sorry, but we always write back. We do. We always make sure to write back. If if it's been a couple of weeks, that's because we're working on season two, I promise. And, you know, there's no wrong point. You know, I, I just kind of want to go back to something that Sarah said, like, everyone can analyze there's no wrong way of doing it guys so please if you see anything we love hearing your thoughts please continue to email us send us a dm or just leave a comment in any of our posts and don't be intimidated you don't have to have an english degree to do this you just have to enjoy the process you ask yourself a question says does this weird and then you just make up an idea and go with it (laughs) or you just that's all we're doing that's all we're doing we're like this seems like it matters and then we go with it until it does although there i will say there's been a fair amount of stuff where i'm like is this this mean something and then i'm 50 pages later i'm like no it did not mean anything (laughs) (laughs) well thanks so much everybody we look forward to hearing your thoughts and seeing your emails as we continue to wrap up this post-season one content and as we move into season two with A Court of Mist and Fury. It's so close, guys. I can taste it. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Book Talk for Book Talk. We encourage you to rate and subscribe to our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. As we gear up for season two, where we will deep dive into A Court of Mist and Fury, we will continue to share between-season thoughts and interviews with our listeners. We would love to hear your thoughts based on today's conversation. You can submit your comments to our form at booktalkforbooktalk.com for a chance to have your feedback discussed during a weekly mini-episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, visit our website, booktalkforbooktalk.com, to view our latest merch and to learn about supporting the show through Patreon, Ko-Fi, or Venmo. Or find us on TikTok and Instagram at the handle Book Talk for Book Talk. <laughs>